0: and welcome to Funny Ideas, the radio show and podcast where learning and development meet humour. I'm Julie Flower and I'm your host today. I'm delighted to be talking about leadership development with leadership coach and author Nick Marson, who's worked globally with FTSE 500 companies.
1: Great
0: to have you here, Nick. Fantastic. Wonderful to have you on the show.
1: Thank you for having me.
0: Wonderful. We're just saying goodbye to Katrina and the waves there. So yeah, welcome, Nick. Great to see you. Fantastic. Um, A varied career that you've had. I'm delighted to have you here on the show. I know that you have a new book coming out soon, so there's lots to talk about. And we said today that the theme is uh, leadership development. And I know that the name of your book is Leading by Coaching. It is. What's all that about?
1: Well, uh, leading by coaching one conversation at a time. So really, it's about having better conversations uh, with people who follow you so that they feel safe and they can be creative and productive. Um, And there's a whole science behind that, which I've been researching uh, so leadership is a science and an art together.
0: Fantastic, and I think it will be great to dig into some of the theory as well as the practice today. So great. you're really welcome. It, it's great to see you. So, what led you to to write this book? I know that writing a book is is not a a, a mean feat. So, so um, what led you to think, yeah, leading by coaching? This is the book I need to write.
1: In. Two, three words, a bad boss.
0: <laughs> right. We shouldn't laugh because <laughs> right I think right. we've all had them.
1: Well, um, it's just when you have a boss who doesn't care, doesn't listen, um, that, and you don't feel safe with, um, it's obviously very stressful because you're earning a living working with this person and you can't really escape your economic uh, realities just like. That overnight. And I wrote the book to help people who are leaders and aspiring to be leaders to realize what a big responsibility that is and that they should choose to care, basically, choose to care about the people that are trusting them to um, find a way forward.
0: And that was interesting because when I was doing some pre-reading and and talking to you about your book, one of the things that really resonated with me was this this sentence, choosing to care about the people you're responsible Mm -hmm. for. And in a way, I thought, yeah, of course. I mean, that's hugely powerful. Why wouldn't we do that? And then it just sort of occurred to me, are there really leaders who don't choose to care? You know, what does it mean if you don't choose to care about those who work with you and for you?
1: That's a very good question. It seems so obvious that wouldn't you care for people? And there's lots of reasons why people don't care or think they're caring, but not really caring. And I think the main thing is that in the past, leaders have just had power through their position. Mm. And therefore, they could get away with it. They, they could tell you what to do, and if you didn't like it, they'd just fire you or make life difficult for you. We're in a totally different age now, and we're in the age where young people, the millenniums, but also Generation Z, and there's even another I generation. I
0: think we want something else now. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> something know. else. Julie. Do, you think, do we have to go around um, to Generation A? Is well, it all the way around? <laughs>
1: Whether i 'll be around uh, oh. <laughs> then who knows, but anyway um, so what what these people want is the freedom to be themselves and to be creative and to feel that there's some purpose to their work and that their their job is meaningful mm-hmm. and and that 's the future of leadership the future of leadership is um, not leading anyone but attracting people to follow you
0: yes and that's quite a different dynamic isn't it moving away from that sort of status and hierarchy of i'm the boss leader to actually i'm kind of i suppose it sounds a bit cliche but creating a movement creating something people want to be part of
1: exactly and i think what stops a lot of people stepping out of their comfort zone if you like um is fear fear of being found out maybe um If I show some of my vulnerabilities, if I show who I really am, people won't follow me or I I won't feel like I'm a leader or I won't be seen to be a leader. And yet it's the opposite that attracts people Mm. and makes the leadership or the leader powerful because power, if it's um, discretionary, if people choose to follow you when they don't have to. That, for me, is a real leader. If they follow you because they have to, because you're the boss and you can fire them and you use that power, then you don't get the discretionary effort. You don't get the creativity. And that's part of the productivity issue for the UK, I think, that our style of leadership doesn't um, create a space for uh, creativity and collaboration.
0: And that's a really interesting point. And obviously, we we could talk for hours, if not days, about um, leadership literature. But I know um, one of the pieces that I've enjoyed recently is... Um, it was a piece in the Harvard Business Review, actually, and it looked at the relationship between um, people feeling psychologically safe at work. So coming Mm -hmm. back to the idea of our bosses giving you space and supporting you and also diversity of thinking. So having kind of mixed teams with Mm -hmm. uh, diverse ways of thinking and the really positive impact that that had on workplace creativity and innovation.
1: Oh, absolutely. If you let the human mind free without any conditions or uh, punishments then there's no limit to what can be achieved and in the future with um, technology uh, taking over our, our lives uh, artificial intelligence etc data management and uh, the data society we're we're driven by it's creativity that's actually going to be the source of jobs yes is going to be the source of differentiation in business. Mm. It's going to be the only thing that will sustain your business. Is your ability to, to be agile and creative and able to um, respond to changing customer needs.
0: Yeah, definitely. It's a thing that AI can't do really by definition. Can't think. Yeah. Yeah, can't think. And we'll be talking about deep thinking. We're going to do lots of deep thinking on the the radio today, everybody. So that's that's quite exciting.
1: Sounds scary to uh,
0: yeah.
1: me. Yeah. <laughs> I haven't come here to do some deep thinking. I come, Sorry. Come here for
0: a, for a nice holiday actually. <laughs> Sorry, you didn't get the memo, did you <laughs> um, So
1: that's what it's about. Yeah, oh. exactly.
0: So um you were led to write this book, as you say, because it essentially came from from having that, that difficult experience with a, with a manager. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a lot of talk at the moment about mental health in the workplace and well-being in the workplace. How do you see your work fitting within that?
1: Well, um, as part of the research for my book, I was staggered to find um, that I think it was a YouGov survey of... Um, Employees throughout the whole UK of all different levels and occupations, etc. Uh, that one in four of the people surveyed, and it was a big survey, said that they had mental health issues. One in four mm. had mental health issues directly as a result of their relationship with their boss. That is sad, mm. um, scary, and unacceptable. Um, think of the damage that that's doing to families throughout the country um, men and women going home to their wives and husbands or partners or friends um, in despair yeah. um, and it there's no easy way out as I said before you're economically trapped mm. uh, so it must be terrible I mean I, I experienced that myself um, and it wasn't a, a good place to be in in the end it did me a favour because I ended up leaving uh, voluntarily, I should say. But I thought maybe my time was up. Yes. Um, and I went back to university and trained as a teacher and, and loved being a teacher. And I've now I set up a company um, 15 years ago. And I've been teaching, training, coaching, uh, consulting um, around the world. And it's been the best thing that ever happened to me. If I'd known then, I would have uh, encouraged my boss to be Uh, mean to me and rude to me and nasty to me, but uh, I didn't know that because I didn't know what I didn't know.
0: Sometimes things do happen for a reason, but it sounds like you kind of made the most of a difficult situation.
1: I was lucky as well. Uh, I had some lucky breaks.
0: Well, and I think that there's something around the fact, as you say, that some people do feel much more trapped for various reasons. And if there's any way in which leaders can help to create a better environment for their Uh, workers for their staff for their colleagues as well as get greater productivity and greater innovation for their businesses on paper that should be a win-win
1: absolutely I mean it's a no-brainer really Um, and yet people a lot of people don't do it and there are some industries that are worse than others which I won't mention because a lot of my clients are in that industry. Oh, but please. no, I will, in fact, mention I mean, professional services, because of the uh, nature of law firms, big accountancy firms, yes. because the partners own the firm, mm. it doesn't help because they do have power. Mm. And e- even the senior support staff, the, the marketing directors and HR directors mm. and people like that um, I've always felt working with these um, organizations a long time that there's always that fear factor. We mustn't step out of line if the partners don't like it. And I know um, as a provider, always getting vetted, oh, I, I need you to uh, talk to the senior partner and or always protecting themselves. Yes. And um, But what that does is it, it stifles creativity. Mm. It stifles innovation. It stifles productivity. It causes a hemorrhage of talented people who don't want to work in these environments who end up working for the Googles of this world or um, more enlightened players in that market in the financial services and legal services.
0: And I think that's an interesting point back to what you were saying earlier about the future of work and the different expectations of different generations of people coming into the workforce that the idea of a 40-year kind of career which reaches its pinnacle as um, partner in a professional services firm or, or in a particular profession is not necessarily the be-all and end-all to people nowadays.
1: No. Um, from my research, two years is the normal, oh, I, that was a great experience working for this company or firm. Uh, time to move on. Goodness. So only two years, three years. Uh, people, w- what they value is the experience, the yes. work experience. And how they're treated becomes your brand as a company. Mm-hmm. So if you're not treated well by your boss... Yeah. Um, you're going to leave probably anyway you'll probably leave quicker because mm-hmm. people don't leave organisations, they leave their bosses mm. as I did <laughs> so um, in terms of um, what I would call emotional brand value which is really what it's going to be about um, it is already now in in McDonald's they're loving it they don't tell you about how good the uh, the, the cheeseburger is although they're probably quite tasty <laughs> <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not allowed one but uh, But maybe the Big Mac I could have. (laughs) Anyway, I'll dream of one of those. So, um, yeah, uh, so it's really about the experience that counts. It's experience of how you're treated, the trust that you are given, Mm -hmm. and you get back what you give. So if you trust people, they trust you. And trust is is the biggest um, factor in in effective leadership is Mm -hmm. the level of trust that people have in you.
0: Yes, and that sense of integrity and whether or not they feel that, therefore, you're worth following.
1: Absolutely. So um, my, I mean, if if I was asked, what do I do? I help senior people very often, uh, CEOs quite often, to find their authentic voice because Mm -hmm. that's what leadership's about. It's really understanding who you are, what is important to you, and what is the difference you want to make. And if that is clear in your mind, then you're more likely to attract like-minded followers than if you don't know who you are so the whole um, first theme of the book is is about looking in self-reflection self-awareness um, who am i in that mirror and the brain will play tricks. It will tell you that you're better looking than you actually are. It will tell it's you. Right that- this is radio. <laughs> That's why I'm not on TV. I'm oh. on radio. I was quite uh, picky about that. Uh, We're both here
0: with a face for radio. It's fine. <laughs>
1: uh, Julie, definitely not. Me, definitely yes. Uh, but anyway, so um, so so looking in the mirror takes guts, takes courage. Um, and that's what good leaders do they you don't have to be perfect to be a perfect leader the perfect leader doesn't exist what you, what you need to be is yourself because people follow real people not leaders
0: yeah and it's really really interesting so you know leading by coaching your your book as you say it's the first step is around looking in and that self reflection which i think is very painful and challenging for many people to do. Uh, absolutely.
1: I mean, some people think that's fluffy and, you know, I know who I am. You know, I'm successful. And um, that's OK. And that that might be fine. However, maybe it's not OK. Or maybe they're not going to reach their potential because to really examine yourself and examine your life. In fact, Socrates, even I'm going to quote Socrates. Oh, well, we're
0: getting very well, high well, he, here.
1: But well, he's not here to tell me I got the quote wrong. So that's good. <laughs> so Socrates said uh, the unexamined life isn't worth living. Mm. And I think we in our lives, we don't take enough time to step back and reflect on who we are and what we want and what we want to do with our lives. We We're on this treadmill and it's not I'm not criticising anyone. I've been on it. I've been in corporate life um, all my life. Um, and we we do check our emails every five minutes, some of us. And I'm, I'm guilty of that. And my wife tells me off. Christine tells me off all the time. Do not look at your emails. Speak to me. <laughs> Listen. So, yes, no, if you're doing
0: them across the kitchen table. Then maybe yeah, no, this... I,
1: I, I don't think I'm quite that bad, but you know what I mean. So this making time to reflect creating silences in your life giving people around you silence giving them space and in a coaching conversation it's in the silences that that people's brains start connecting Mm. what's going on for them whatever issue they've got with their world and start seeing it more clearly you have to feel it to to see it and to feel it you've got to let your brain do its work and that needs silence
0: obviously that technique doesn't work brilliantly on on the radio even that idea of a second of silence feels like a hugely long mm-hmm. time and we're both trained coaches so we're trained to sort of sit with silence mm-hmm. with people mm-hmm. um i know that when i leave silence including if perhaps i'm working with a group some people look really awkward and try and mm-hmm. kind of jump in to rescue that yeah, silence, yeah. as yeah. if silence is the worst thing in the world. Yeah. But I think mm-hmm. you're right. If people genuinely sit in it and think in it and use it,
1: mm-hmm.
0: it can be one of the most powerful things.
1: It's, it's incredibly powerful. I was researching an, an article called The Silent Leader, which is going to be in a major professional services magazine. And For that research, I came across a nice slogan from a Finnish watch manufacturer. And the slogan read, Made in Finland in silence.
0: (laughs) They put all their efforts into actually making the watch. They weren't distracted.
1: Exactly. (laughs) Made in silence became a differentiator. And I think that can be a differentiator for leaders.
0: Yes.
1: Um, Particularly developing tomorrow's leaders uh, what those leaders want is space
0: mm.
1: to be themselves to, or just to be <laughs> um, and and to to grow and to um, experiment, to experience. And the old style of leadership, the command and control mm. is the opposite. It, it's about controlling people. It's about making sure they're doing exactly what you want them to do. It's about checking with them. How, how many tasks have you completed? Mm. What did the client say when you saw them? Mm. Instead of letting them get on, on with it and being a resource to support them when they need it. And that's what good leaders do. They step back and they just let people get on with it. That doesn't mean they don't accept resp- uh, accountability mm. um, and they know roughly what's going on. But they trust people to come to them if they need help. And those people grow and feel trusted.
0: Yes, I mean, as you say, the command and control approach, not only is it outdated, but it assumes that the leader knows the answer or knows the best way. <laughs> Whereas in a complex, uncertain, wicked system of an environment, everybody is solving problems or progressing problems. To say that the person at the top has the answer is facile.
1: Knowing the answers isn't the
0: issue.
1: (laughs) Asking the right questions may well be the issue.
0: So I'll throw some Socrates right back (laughs) at you then. Because coaching, by its very nature, is essentially a process of Socratic questioning. So Uh those those powerful, open questions that Mm -hmm. genuinely make people think. And so when I hear you talking both about what leadership means in this context, but also kind of Therefore, what the coaching aspect of your your book, Leading by Coaching, Mm -hmm. really means. Mm -hmm. Holding that space, empowering people to think and make Mm -hmm. decisions and supporting Mm -hmm. them. Mm -hmm. Um, I can see many um, parallels with the profession of coaching.
1: Oh, absolutely. In fact, in the book, the second theme in the book is uh, looking out. So looking out for others Mm. and and coaching them. Um, And when I say coaching... I don't mean coaching in a traditional sense. I mean, having a coaching conversation, which is, as you said, Julie, is a supportive conversation. It's a space for people to feedback, to think, to explore, to um, understand what's important to them. And and yes, there is a huge parallel between the power of silence and coaching, because um, what coaching in essence is my my definition of coaching is the ability. Or what a coach does is they listen so that people can hear themselves.
0: Mm, very nice.
1: And, and that's a rare gift that we have mm. in our life. And that's why I think coaching is so powerful that we don't have that space in our life for someone to really listen to who we are. And understand who we are and or help us understand who we are yes. and what's important. And so the, the gift of just being present with someone is incredibly precious and quite rare. I don't think enough people have the opportunity to have that space for someone to listen to who they are.
0: And I think that that real deep listening, it's interesting because I think we can all, probably all think of occasions where we've maybe walked into our manager's office and I uh, said, oh, can I you know, talk to you for a second? And they're looking at the computer screen and typing. Mm. And they're like, don't worry, I'm listening. <laughs> they're very clearly not listening. Yeah,
1: not interested.
0: Yeah, and I appreciate that time it is a constraint, but sometimes even a couple of minutes of genuine listening can mm. reap dividends for both the individual and for the organisation. <laughs>
1: Absolutely. There's um, In Africa, in um, northern Natal, um, there's a tribe there, um, whereby if you meet a fellow member of the tribe, um, you say to that person, I see you, to which they reply, I am here. So that, that very situation of actually witnessing someone
0: mm.
1: brings that person alive. Yes, it, it gives them the context of belonging
0: mm.
1: that makes us alive because we are social animals. We, we need other people. We need to know that we fit in mm-hmm. to our tribe, in inverted yeah. commas, yeah. Um, our social group yeah, or our A here, group. Yeah. yeah, and that, that sense of belonging is another thing that leaders, good leaders do. Mm. They give people a sense of the safety that we mentioned, but mm. also belonging, that they are valued and listened to and they exist, just mm. like the tribe member mm. in in Africa um and so so coming back to coaching and mm. you you were saying about the parallels in coaching i would say as a coach i think the biggest gift that i'm bringing is is just to sit with someone mm.
0: Yes, and have the silence. Sorry, I didn't hold that silence long because we're on radio, because we're on air. It's like, oh, hang on a minute.
1: No, switch off. Has
0: something broken? Yeah, yeah, please don't don't switch off if if we use silence. (laughs) Start Um. playing some mood music. (laughs) No, but um, no, I I completely understand. And I suppose um, linking this then back to um, your your book, which I I should say I'll do a big plug now. It's out um, in March next year, but available mm. for pre-order, yeah. and it's published by Palgrave Macmillan. I mean, they're they're absolutely huge, aren't they? So it's wonderful yes. that that yeah. someone like Palgrave Macmillan is is supporting and, and publishing this it, book.
1: It is. I'm I'm very lucky to to have them because it gives me a wider voice. Because mm. um, a book in itself is a very, very uh, challenging thing to do, as uh, Julie knows, because I've poured my heart out to her a few times about my book and uh, and uh, my poor wife, uh, Christiana, has done an amazing amount of work and supported me writing that book. However, the book amplifies my voice, um, provokes, I'm, I'm hoping, people's thinking yes. so that they start looking in, at themselves and looking at what can they do to be a better leader in inverted commas uh, if, whatever better means but uh, but a leader that they want to be. Um, very, uh, you know, in the book, I'm 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 not saying to people they should do this or must do this or. Uh, well, what I'm, what I'm saying is, who do you want to be as a leader? And I'm just trying to give people some questions to ask themselves, some thoughts and some ideas and some scientific reasons why, if they understand how the brain works, they can be more brain-friendly in terms of their behaviours so that they're going to attract people rather than repel them sometimes.
0: That's interesting. I'm sure everyone wants to to attract rather than repel people, but um, it is, yeah, that's quite a powerful sort of image, if you like. But sometimes leaders' behaviour does repel people um and something you said earlier about why people might want to follow you and almost that culture that you create as a leader and it made me think of a famous quote which is around you are you get the culture that you behave so Uh if a leader behaves in a way which means they're distracted all the time and they're not actively listening to people and they have their phone out in meetings all the time then that's sending a very clear signal about uh, you know
1: what's acceptable
0: in this organization
1: I agree, Julie, and you you get what you deserve Mm
0: -hmm.
1: um, in life. And um, as a leader, if you behave that way, you will get what you deserve, which is the inattention of your people. Mm -hmm. And if you don't pay attention to them, why should they pay attention to you?
0: So how do we deal with a situation where actually... um someone might be listening to this they are in a leadership position and they think you know what I'm trying my best it's just it's hugely busy there's a huge amount of pressure and I just feel like I've got a thousand different things to do and although I'd like to spend time having these powerful conversations with with my members of staff I I just don't think I've got the time or, or the energy or the concentration to do that what sort of um what would you say to that person
1: I, I would be, um, I would emphasise with it, I think that's a real issue and I think that does stop people having these conversations. Um, people are under immense pressure these days, more and more so. There's never enough time in the day. You you want to get home and at least get the half past six train and not the half past seven train, which you've done for the last three. So, so of course, it is a massive issue. Time is the problem. What would I say to it? Um I'm not. I'm not going to say manage your time better because I'm the world's worst time manager. Um, as my colleagues would probably tell you, if you met them. Um, what, what I would say is, create some space in in your working week. Create some space. Put some space in your diary. I coached someone who became a COO of. Um, Big law firm. Uh, eventually, a young guy he was only thirty. Uh, I think he must be the youngest COO um, in that profession. Mm-hmm. Maybe one of them. It uh, was an exceptionally bright guy. Um, but w- one thing that he he did change is he's when he got into work, he spent twenty minutes just reflecting, just reflecting on what was important, what um, what behaviors did he want to be better at or um, do. And I think it's, it's about discipline. And even Barack Obama, President Obama, I, I read uh, part of the research for this book. I've been reading a lot of stuff. Mm. Um, every evening in the White House at half past six after an evening meal with his family, he would retreat to one of the rooms in whichever wing it, it was, <laughs> and uh, the west wing, I think, and he, he, he would just spend three or four hours just reflecting that's in silence in silence this the, uh, his auto it, yeah. the official autobiography yeah. said he did this um I'm not sure whether some politicians I could think of that i won't name on the radio mm-hmm. uh, do the same before they um say anything uh however it it is that that is amazing isn't it the most powerful man in the world appreciates the power of silence
0: yes the power to think and the, yeah, clearly. creating that time to think and that mm. that opportunity for reflection and reflection is built into quite a few professions actually particularly a lot of the clinical professions mm-hmm. and sometimes it amazes me that that idea of reflection and sometimes supervision and support mm. isn't built more clearly into other professions. Yes, that's a good um, point. It's it's interesting, and that it mm. that it relies on an individual to kind of mm. um, take up that mantle. That's um, interesting. But but I think you know what's really great about the Barack Obama story is that he was bold enough and believed that reflection was so important that he was prepared to do it, and and I think. You know, it takes some guts, I think, for any any leader, anyone in the position of power to say, mm-hmm. you know what, I'm just going to, even mm-hmm. if it is 10, yes. 20 minutes at the beginning of the day, just take some time yeah. to actually it, think. That's,
1: that's brilliant, Julie. That's really what it's about. And it's also about something else. And that is discipline. Mm. The discipline to do it. The discipline to say, no, I can't see you and... and Barack Obama would be saying that to Michelle, who I'm sure wanted more time yeah, with a absolutely. busy president. There's
0: always competition. Um, yeah. yeah, and
1: to actually realise that your impact as a leader mm. and a leader of change, because we're all in that business of change because the world is changing even quicker as we speak, is is about discipline. It's, it's about understanding the difference that that can make. And so making that difference by having the discipline to do it and and to do it regularly and to shut out the interference uh, that we all have in our lives.
0: Yes, yes, completely. And I think it's really interesting if you think that, if you hope that one of the reasons why you have been promoted to uh, the position of leader, whatever that means in in your organisation or life, um, that 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 hopefully a lot of that is people recognise the quality of your thinking and the quality of your brain, it's... Mm. um, quite ironic, really, that often then you'll spend very little time using it because your diary is stacked yeah. from, you know, seven till seven mm-hmm. and, and every ten minutes is used up. Yeah,
1: e- even going to meetings. Mm. I mean, how many times do people actually stop and think, why am I going to this meeting? Yeah. Um, what is the purpose of this meeting? Uh, what, what is important um, for my organisation? What am I trying to achieve? Who's going to be there? Mm. Uh, what am I – what's the big picture, the overview? What are the um, – Outcomes I'd like to achieve. What are the objectives that maybe? be? And, and, and not only that, but checking in with people when you arrive, rather than rushing through the agenda. Yes. Actually checking in on a human level, on an emotional level, with how people are. For all you know, someone could have been diagnosed with cancer the day before or their wives left them or their husbands had an accident or you just don't know where people are coming from. And yet we, we have to act this perfect business, but we're not perfect. Mm. And, and we're the same people in business as at home, except we put on a business face and we follow the protocols and all that. But if we can check into each other as human beings first, then people would feel so much happier and um, feel connected with each other and, and and much more productive.
0: Yes, we are all human beings. And I think there's something about that yeah that human empathy and connection isn't there otherwise we might as well have robots doing these things yeah. back to that you know why we yeah. why are we better at doing these things than robots well it's because we can think and we can empathize with with people and make connections in in that way yes so thinking about um you know working through the tenets of of, of your book mm-hmm. um leading by coaching. You've talked about sort of looking inwards and mm-hmm. talked about looking outwards. Is there anything else that you, you want to tell us with respect to, to what's in there?
1: Yes. The the third theme is looking beyond. Right. And the looking beyond is looking beyond the interference that I've been talking about. Mm. So, so what is going on out there? Where are we as an organisation? Where am I as a leader? Um, and how can I be a leader of change, a catalyst for change. How can I help people through change? Because there's no question about it. We are in change times. And the level of change and the uh, speed of change is going to... um, I'm going to say a big word now, exponentially.
0: Very nicely said. <laughs> um, we won't increase, try and spell it. In, in,
1: increase. And any, any listeners who thought I pronounced it wrong,
0: probably yeah. right. <laughs> and
1: send me an email, but don't uh, don't ring into the show. Tweet us,
0: at funnyideaspod. Yeah, tweet, <laughs> funny yeah, tweet, yeah. tweet Julia,
1: funny ideas, why not? I don't, do I care? No. Well, well,
0: not you that don't, much. Don't worry. It's absolutely fine. You've pronounced it beautifully.
1: <laughs> so... Um, yeah so le- leading beyond mm-hmm. and it's full of case studies and interviews I interviewed over 25 CEOs and managing partners in uh, different industries um, in the UK and abroad um to find out how they lead and what challenges they have and the styles of leadership and how they use coaching as part of as a leadership style and um that was fascinating to get so many different aspects um yeah.
0: It's fantastic that you had access to such a diverse range of people in leadership roles. I,
1: luckily, through through my job, I was able to uh, somehow, it wasn't always easy, <laughs> but uh, to get, uh, well, for the same reason we were saying, time is precious. Yes. And the more senior you are, the less time you seem to have. However, I would say the more senior you are, the more time you should have, because <laughs> you shouldn't be doing anything. Your job as a leader at that level is not to do anything. Apart so, from
0: think th- Exactly <laughs> what I was going to say apart yes. from think. <laughs> Sorry, I pipped you to it. You
1: beat me to it. Good for you. To think because and to connect. Yes. And engage. The the CEO's job should be chief engagement officer.
0: Mm, nice. Nice. Because
1: that's what it's about. If you're going to attract followers and attract talent. And there will be I mean we you know this phrase the war for talent is a uh, hackneyed phrase but there is going to be severe competition for talent and people are going to vote emotionally they're not going to vote for the most money they're going to vote emotionally for the organization's where they feel the leaders walk the talk, and you said that before. It's mm-hmm. it's what you actually do. I and mean, you you mentioned looking at your phone. Yeah. Uh, when so, someone's got a maybe they are coming to tell you that they're leaving, mm-hmm. and yet all you can do is look at your phone. Yeah, I'm listening. I'm interested. Well, the body language you're giving me is you're not interested at all. In fact, I'm an interruption to your spreadsheet.
0: Yes, you haven't made eye contact. You haven't. Yeah, sort you're of
1: not interested in me as a person. I'm an interruption to mm-hmm. your day. Mm-hmm. Whereas I should be the reason for your day.
0: So I think I'm hearing that there are perhaps some immediate changes that people should, sorry, I can't speak today, could start to make sort of quite small behavioural shifts which Mm -hmm. could then kind of build up. If you were saying, look, you know, Mm -hmm. take this slowly, what would you recommend that somebody could try Mm -hmm. tomorrow in order to start to, to develop this leading by coaching style?
1: I think the the starting point is to decide in your own mind that you are going to choose to care. Mm -hmm. Um, And if you already believe you are, just check that out um, and maybe get some feedback, because maybe that's not how people might perceive it. So um, the reality and perception aren't always the same. Um, But, however, the the first... Uh, solid piece of advice is just to have informal conversations with all your team at least once a day i I don't mean the team together i mean individually at least just check into them get to know them better doesn't mean you have to be too personal you certainly don't want to be inauthentic and just you know you don't want them to feel you're just going through the motions but start actually realizing they're human beings and they have a life and the the work is part of their life and if, if you show some sort of interest in, in them as individuals and their aspirations work-wise and just check into them informally. So coaching doesn't have to be formal. Coaching is about a conversation with a purpose. That's all it is. Yes. Just, it's, it's just sorry. Drink.
0: No, no, sorry. So yeah, just, just yeah. having a more, it feels like a more connected, more yeah. curious and caring conversation. Yeah,
1: change the record.
0: Yeah.
1: D- don't ask how are the, how's that project going Don't ask them about whatever, ask them how they are. And in fact, one of the case studies in my book is a a big Dutch bank who had a a serious problem with hemorrhaging talent and Mm. losing clients and they were really in trouble. And they they really reinvented how they engaged with each other. And um, I mentioned this checking in at at a meeting to to ask... how the, everyone is and what they're bringing to the meeting. Do they have any other things that maybe they want to talk about and or personally even that, that it's on their mind that might distract them from the meeting? And that's what this bank did. And it made a huge difference because people really feel um, part of a team. They felt engaged. They felt they mattered as people. They felt they could talk more openly. It built trust. Mm. Um, the leaders were more trusted um, and the organisation uh, was more trustful as a result, and they did actually get out of it and they started to increase their market share substantially. According to them, that was a major reason. There may be some other factors. Um, so I, I think I think just checking in, they called it the check-in. Yes. Because uh, you might even know, I can't mention the name of the bank, but you might know. You're reading my book, you'll find out, because it is in there. So
0: that's a good reason to buy it. You can well, pre-order now, just hopefully, plugging.
1: Hopefully not the only reason. Uh, so... Um, just checking in with people. People will really appreciate it, but you've got to mean it. It's got to be from the heart. Don't do it as a management tool or or think, you know, you're being smart. Actually choose to care in your heart and not your head.
0: Yes. And sorry, just, I don't know why this came up in my head, but it made me think of if you're in a restaurant and you are, you've just started the meal and then the waiter comes around and says, is everything all right with your meal?" and usually that feels like they've got a checklist. Yeah. And I know, because I've waitressed yeah. in my time, that it's kind of, you've got to do your, I can't remember what they used to call it, some kind of, um, what's it called? A sort of customer check or something yeah, that you yeah, did sure. within five yeah. minutes of receiving the meal. Mm-hmm. And it was always just that tick box.
1: Yeah, and, and that has the negative opposite yeah. You result. think, you don't care yeah. how
0: my meal is. You just want to yeah. tick your box.
1: And at the end of the meal, just when you're paying... They they ask you a close question. They always say, "Was everything all right?" Yeah. Because they they don't want to say how how was it for mm. you? How was the experience mm. of being in the restaurant and my service? They don't because because they want you to pay.
0: Yeah.
1: And they don't want the feedback.
0: Mm. Whereas <laughs> whereas actually the the approach that you're describing from leaders is a that they're their, their check in is a genuine check in. It's because yeah. they care and they're curious. Yeah. Um, they want to get to know you, yeah. Not because um, they're meeting a protocol. Uh,
1: absolutely, yeah. and people and people are not stupid. Yeah. And we pick up the body language. Of we, we, do. we know if people are being disingenuous. Another big word.
0: Beautiful, beautiful. <laughs> but I'm not going to spell that one.
1: So, um, it, it's a mindset. Yeah. Leadership is a mindset. It's an attitude.
0: And on that basis, then, by definition, presumably, it's not something that you can only do if your job title is chief operating officer or chief exec?
1: The last paragraph in the book, pretty much, or the last page, says that everyone is a leader, everyone is a coach. Mm. The future of business is everyone is a leader, everyone is a coach. So just by your behaviour, by stepping up, by doing the right thing, even when that's difficult, you are a leader. Mm. People will See what you're doing. They will follow you or follow that example. We are all leaders. We are all coaches. The The days of hierarchies driving organizations are pretty numbered. Um, it will take probably quite a while. Companies like Google, Microsoft, they don't have the same structures and hierarchies and management behavior as some banks, for instance, mm-hmm. that I work with, um, not picking on banks, but you know what I mean. Yeah, sort of more services. traditional yeah, or, um, organizations, or even industrial companies, yeah. maybe pharmaceutical companies. Mm. Um, what they realize it's it's actually about people owning it. Yes. And it's about collaboration. It's about respect. It's about actually behaving properly, so that people want to help you. They they want to collaborate with you, and and not because they have to.
0: No. No, exactly. It's, it's a shift, quite a shift, mm. isn't it, in the, the idea of what leadership is, a, is about. I can't believe that we've only got 10 minutes left 10 and there's f- so much more that, that I want to cover. Oh, um, right. <laughs> I, well, I was quite keen because I know um, beforehand we were talking quite a bit about some of the work that you do around kind of authentic communication and leaders engaging those that they're Mm -hmm. talking with and Mm -hmm. i know that you've trained um with with trainers who've worked with some of the biggest leaders in in the world can you tell us a little bit more about that
1: yes um the techniques called receiver driven communication and it's actually a physical skill that i train i was actually trained by the trainer who trained an american president which i not i'm not allowed to mention am i
0: Um, I I don't know. You you can decide whether or not you're allowed to mention. Well, I don't know him. Right. (laughs) If if, that's okay, then. The
1: the guy that trained me, um, he trained um, Bill Clinton and his father trained Ronald Reagan. And Barack Obama uses the same technique. So um, when I'm watching these people, I know exactly what they're doing because I've trained people to do exactly the same. Yes. Uh, Even using the same script. And I was having a a laugh with uh, Julie before we went on air. (laughs) Um, because what, what I do to start off any coaching session is I give them a script and I ask them just to read it. And um, the script starts something like this. So they're reading this and it, um, it says, um, I want you to picture this scene from the Old West. A group of tired cowboys in dusty Levi's is gathered around a blazing campfire. A wolf howls in the distance. Suddenly there's a cry of pain. A cowboy... Cowboy jumps back from the fire to gather his canteen. Hot rivet syndrome has claimed another victim. Anyway, they, they're looking at me, thinking, "What the hell is going on, Nick? You know, we're we're going to pay you good money. In fact, we're probably not going to pay you at the end of this." <laughs> so, um, but it's actually a physical skill that allows you to be come across as more conversational. Right. And the receiver-driven bit is, is basically understanding that the communication is not what you transmit, is what comes back.
0: I see, yes.
1: And the, and the communication is actually taking place in the silences mm. after you've said something. So giving people, coming back to our silence theme, yes, yes. giving people that silence to think about what you said. Because... People don't remember what you said. They only remember what they thought about what you said. Mm. So if there's no silence, there's no communication. And that's the key to it. And that's what Barack Obama does. If you look at his speeches, Bill Clinton, I could name a lot of quite famous people, even Nelson Mandela was uh, trained in this, although obviously they're all brilliant people. They didn't need this to be necessarily successful. Um, But if you watch them, it's the silences that actually make it powerful. But it's knowing when to pause and how to pause is a technique, and that's what I coach, train people to do. Um, and then on top of it, it's then to and uh, to know who you are as a person. So to use a phrase I used to Julie before, um, it's to help people find their authentic voice because people don't buy the message mm. unless they buy the messenger. Yes. So they've got to believe in you as a person, and that comes full circle back to leadership, it's about knowing who you are and being who you are and showing who you are. That's why people follow.
0: Yes, and actually just, I mean, beautifully put, and I'm being bold enough to, to say this is who I am and I'm happy to leave a silence and... Um, I suppose thinking to, to those who do feel nervous when they're presenting, there's a tendency to, to want to fill all of the time because you think, oh, oh hang on a minute, I've just got to fill everything. Yeah. And um, I've got lots of visual aids. And um, the more I speak, then I'm, I'm transmitting stuff, but it's not being received.
1: Absolutely. And just because you're not talking doesn't mean you don't know anything or you've forgotten your script. or yeah. um, and, and if you can just stand on the stage and look at people so you get the feedback, mm. it's saying also, and I care. I care. I'm doing this for you. I, I've got something I think can help you, and I really want to know how you're receiving it.
0: Yes. I, I want
1: to know you're getting it. So in that pause, it, it's it, it, I, I could call it the you get it, or they get it call, yeah. uh, pause, that, yes, I got that, Nick, give me more. And it also allows you to pace um your your talk so people are getting the key messages so w- when you're talking you talk quite quickly because in conversation we do but when it comes to them getting the key ideas then it's about the silence so they get it yes and they remember it and they and you have impact and it's it's very assertive because you're looking at them you're saying look i this is what i believe yeah. that's why i'm looking at you. that's mm. why i can look at you mm. And if you look at Barack Obama and Bill Clinton, people like that, you'll see how they look at people after they say something. They're saying, do you know what? I believe this. So you don't have to vote for me, but this is what I believe.
0: Yeah. And they're also, I suppose, by looking at the audience and not being afraid to look at them, they are really engaging and reading the additional data because we get so much data from uh, body language and from the sort of non-verbal yeah, communication, of don't
1: 90%, we? 90%, they reckon. Yes.
0: Yeah. You can tell how it it's feels how in a room. It's <laughs>
1: how you stand. It's not, it's yeah. not what you say. Yeah. Tone of the vo- voice is more important than the words. Mm. But it's how you look. Mm. It's how confident you are. Can I trust this person as a person? Do they believe in what they're saying? If I don't think they believe in it, then I'm not going to take it away and do anything with it. Yes. And it's that... It's that I, I say as, as one of the key points in in these sessions. Belief is everything. Yeah. So if you don't believe it, don't say it. Yeah. If you do believe it, say it with conviction. Say it so that they know you believe it. Mm-hmm. It doesn't mean they're going to take the message away, but if they believe, if they believe in what you're saying, um, so if you take Martin Luther King, his his famous, mm-hmm. uh, I won't do a Martin King um, impression, but you know, I, I have a dream today. Yes, yeah. I did, but not not a proper one. But um, yeah. they didn't come to listen to him. Mm. They came to listen to himself, mm. to, to themselves. Yes. They came because he was articulating their beliefs. Yes. And he was on that stage talking for them, being mm-hmm. their voice. Mm. Um, and that's as a leader, when you're presenting, um, what you want to do is tune into who they are as an audience and what do they want from you? You're mm-hmm. you're there to serve them. So what do they want from you that clearly serves the purpose of your organisation as well, and and that's why people go away and change rather than just say, oh yeah, same old stuff.
0: Exactly. And there's something about the kind of listening is the willingness to be changed, and unless you're letting people listen and understand, then why? How can they change? Yeah.
1: Um, there's a Dilbert cartoon I I saw in my research. And there's basically this young guy. He's next to his boss, and they're just about to go into a meeting. And and the young person says to his boss, "How come in meetings you just always talking? You never stop talking." And I can't. I don't get it. And the the boss said to the young person, "Well, I tried listening once, and it was awful.
0: (laughs) Yeah, that was too much trouble.
1: (laughs) It's It's much easier." To talk than listen.
0: Yes, indeed. I'm conscious of time. We could go on talking for for ages, and I I love listening to you. But um, we tried tried to find the funny on this show, and I was just intrigued with that story you were giving. What is hot rivet syndrome?
1: (laughs) Oh, right, okay. Very briefly, very briefly. Okay, hot rivet syndrome, Um, the... Speeches from the CEO of Levi Strauss a number of years ago. And the hot rivet was on a pair of jeans, the um, the Levi Strauss jeans, the famous ones. And it was, um, as we say in the script, the crotch rivet, which got pretty painful. I think
0: that's probably all we need to know. Thank you (laughs) very much.
1: Pretty painful when you're around a campfire.
0: Right. (laughs) Crotch rivet was um, a phrase that I didn't expect to hear Uh, on this show. So um, (laughs) it
1: it is in the public domain.
0: No, that's great. That's hopefully um, made everybody laugh as they think about um, leadership. Nick, it has been wonderful to have you on the show. I thank can't believe how quickly the time has gone. Thank you so much for gone. having me, and
1: I, I hope the listeners out there, if there's just one little thing that's uh, made you think differently or, or inspired you, I, I'm really happy about that. Well, that's and and wonderful. please do write to Julie if there's anything, um, feedback yes. th- for her for her show, or if you
0: it's all, obviously yeah. want
1: to speak to me. Obviously, I'm
0: Yeah, where, where can people find you?
1: Um, If you go on to um, three W's and a dot, uh, leadingbycoaching.com, you'll see my contact details. And it's not just me. Uh, Julie um, is involved um, with what we're doing. And I've got some other very good people. Um, We we have a team and we we just want to make a difference. So if, if any of you out there think that we might. Make a difference. Then, obviously, we'd love to talk to you.
0: That, that's fantastic. And if people um, want to um, get your book, obviously they can pre-order it. As we said, it's leading yes, by it's coaching on Amazon. Yes, uh, leading by coaching by Nick Marson, and that's published by Palgrave Macmillan, and it'll be coming out in March. Yeah,
1: maybe February, but let's, it, yes. <laughs> let's say
0: March. We'll go for it. <laughs> and March. No, that's fantastic. And and as you said, um, certainly since I've got to know you, um, I'm really keen to work more with you. And I likewise look surely, forward. Yeah to hearing more about Leading by Coaching as as we go forward. So thank you very much indeed. Thank you everybody for listening to this episode of Funny Ideas where learning and development meet humour. I've been Julie Flower. It's been a delight to talk to you. Please subscribe to the podcast. Do contact us at Funny Ideas Pod with any feedback. We love to hear from you and I look forward to talking to you in the new year.